On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into Maryland's Diamond Miller in Episode 2 of our 2023 WBA Draft Prospect Profile Series. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, I highly recommend flipping this over to YouTube to see video footage and film breakdown of the analysis of Diamond Miller's game. Lots of women's basketball starts now. Boom. You are listening to basketball. My name is Sutter Cruz, and I'm a Saturday host covering the WNBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lotto Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Lotto Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Coach your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. I'm joined by my host, M. Adler. M is a beat writer for the Seattle Storm, and heads are written covered of the WNBA draft at the nexthoops.com. So M, uh discussion of today, Diamond Miller, six foot three ish forward at Maryland, uh senior season. Just give me the rundown her stat profile uh to kick this one off. Yeah, the, the first caveat to her stats, well the biggest one that needs to be said is she's not a player who's been healthy the entire time. So we had a good freshman year, a real breakout sophomore year, and then last year was spent kind of on and off the court. She missed a lot of the early season with a knee injury. And it was clear for most of the season after she came back that she just wasn't entirely herself. Now that being said, she's always had a pretty good statistical profile. She has been one of the best defensive playmakers in the country. Every year, her steal rates, her block rates are super high. And even as her foul rate has, her foul rate didn't start great, but it's especially a little poor to uh, the this year even as that's increased a little bit her steals and block rates have stayed incredibly high and have increased along with it so her fouling efficiency has been excellent as well she's gotten to the line uh much more often and efficiently as this year has gone on she's functionally she functionally leads the country in free throw attempts per 40. she's in the top five in both free throw makes and attempts per game uh, while only playing about 27 and a half minutes per game this year her shooting profile is where we get a little bit funky here. She's hitting pretty well off the dribble jumper this year, but her three, her uh, her ability to hit the three, which was one of the things that made her such an exciting prospect during her sophomore year breakout when she shot uh, over thirty five percent from three. Which again, as a six three athlete who's got a who's got a decent handle for her size and is really hard to deal with going downhill and finishing. That three-pointer is what really made her, you know, someone who we could see as an All-American, someone who we could see as a true, meaningful impact player in the WNBA. Unfortunately, the three's taken a step back over each of the past couple of years. After that sophomore year where she was north of 35 last year, again, as injured, she was at 31.5 this year, close to 22.5% from three. For her career, that evens out to just north of 31% from three, which is really tricky. And her uh, her um, three-point attempt rate, so how many of her shots have come from three over the years, have decreased pretty significantly from actually her freshman year till now. Her usage rate has increased since, and it's a good sign that she's able to hold up somewhat efficiently under increased usage and able to get to the rim and do those sorts of things. Her true shooting um, this year is up near where it was in her sophomore year, not quite as high, but still 57%, which is really, really good uh, for the 
collegiate level, especially on a team that doesn't really have many other scoring options. And be, and that's really as a result of her her ability to hit from two. She's north of 52% from two this year, which again, not as high as sophomore year, but 52% for someone who's basically playing the three most of the time or the four, who's a face-up player, who's the only real intimidating scoring threat on Maryland. It's really impressive, and it really speaks to how consistent she's gotten in her finishing and how she's able to athletically beat defenders inside the arc. So like you said with her finishing ability, so one thing, I don't think her ball handling just like, it's not the greatest, but she has a tight handle. And ultimately with her size, length, and just fluid movement ability at her size, whenever she's initiating from the perimeter, like second side, uh, whatever it is, she's always drawing like that heavy help at the nail. Um, always bringing attention from weak side rim protectors, trying to help over on her drives. And there's been a couple moments. I remember um, a couple games ago, there was a couple moments where she um, hit the, the opposite corner um, on a couple of these drives where she drew, the, she drew the nail defender. And then also the weak side helped over after that was a, after that flopped. And just those moments where it's sort of discussion with some players where they're posting up, they're posting high college assist numbers but they're turning the ball over a lot, and you're just wondering if they're they're actually being like a value added passer. And in my opinion, a player with that six foot three has the size, movement abilities, and also just the processing that she has to be able to find these um, find find shooters, being able to just understand the game, uh, find drop drop off passes to the to the roller and stuff like that. I just think there's so much value in her as a passer specifically. Yeah, I think. For and B, it's been more flashes than consistent playmaking. And there is a fine line to draw when it comes there. So the biggest or easiest contrast is Donnie Miller and Jordan Horston, at least for what we're talking about here. Horston has posted really impressive assist numbers and also really galling turnover numbers uh, pretty much every year since she's been basically used as the point for Tennessee. And that really comes because she's trying to fit balls in a tight window. She's trying to make passes. She's trying to help out her teammates and hit when the defense goes in different directions. On the other hand, she is trying to force a lot of things that aren't there. The flip side of that is, or the inverse of that is really Diamond Miller, where she'll make really impressive passes a couple times a game, but there's also a lot of times where help comes and she just kind of has to hope for someone being in a dump-off position that she can get the ball to because she's not thinking about them. She's not seeing them all along the way there. And that's what that's what concerns me a little bit in terms of trying to really decide what her upside in terms of usage and in terms of, you know, can she be your second option or third option, et cetera. That's where it concerns me. Because when you're thinking about growing as a playmaker, <clears throat> pretty much all the best point guards or but the best passers, Steve Nash, Nikola Jokic, these people, they start off, Zuber too, Courtney Manners, they usually start off trying a lot of things and trying to fit passes into windows that don't work. And you learn over time, you, you learn over time what you can't do. It's a lot easier to learn what you can't do from doing too much than to learn what you can do from doing too little. So I personally don't see huge upside with Diamond's passing, but I do think if you have other good shooters or drivers off the catch paired with her at the next level, then I think she's going to be someone who will afford them decent opportunities when they're in good positions and, you know, when she has that available. I think that limits her ability to be, you know, your second option on a great offense. But I think it also means that her efficiency and her ability to fit in a good offense is, is there. 
And it certainly means something because she has a 20-plus percent assist rate. And we kind of mentioned it earlier with her defensive like event creation ability, where she has a 5% block rate, 3% steal rate. Uh, since 2009-10, she's basically the the second uh, power conference player to do that. And the other player was Brianna Stewart. Um, turned out to be a pretty good player uh, herself. Um, I have heard of that player before. I think she's good. Yeah, so... Um, just that combination. Um, not a comparison. Like I'm not saying, oh, she's gonna be Brianna Stewart, but just, just, just the ability to, uh, just find teammates and also create havoc on defense. Where you're talking about, that's kind of where I think more of her value comes as a passer is more in transition, to where I think she can kind of get herself like caught up in half court situations because, uh, it's, it, it's more it's more set in stone and defenses are more um keen in on her. But in transition, she has so much room to play and. Um, take advantage of like um, lapses uh, specifically. Yeah, for sure. Diamond Miller is one of those players who is going to be, I think at any level, regardless of what role you put her in the half court, I think she's going to be one of your key. I, I shouldn't say one of your key. She's just going to ignite transition offense. I think she's, a, I think she's quite good as an open court passer. You know, my last comments, I think there are, definitely limits on her ability as a passer in the half court. In transition, she's always looking at the defense. She's always reading defense. I think she does exceptionally well reading the defense in transition, which is you know why I'm a little surprised at her limits in the half court. But she's someone who will be going out in transition and getting what she can. Maryland's system you know, puts players in position to really drive offense in transition. But I think you see even among the kind of transition players who plays, she has played with, like Cheyenne Sellers, Katie Benzin, uh, Mimi Collins, players you know, who are always running down the court whenever there's a loose ball or a defensive rebound that teammates grabbing. Diamond Miller has stood out among them, and she's insanely good at being able to leverage her length, like you said before, being able to leverage her length, her size, her speed, her strength in getting downhill against mismatches and being able to finish at them. Now, in terms of what I was saying before, when we were talking about her statistical profile, you know, I have my concerns, and she has her that she has her limits as a shooter. But as a finisher and as a driver and a finisher, you know, I thought she was a bit inconsistent in prior years, especially that breakout sophomore year where it was a lot of finishing with the right hand, not so much with the left hand. There was she was very athletic, but had her limitations there. I think. You know, she's her, her statistical profile as a finisher has always been good just because of the way she's able to leverage her athleticism and finish through contact at this level. I think she's come leaps and bounds this year as a finisher, and I, I think she's one of the best in the country. I think she's unbelievable. She can finish from any uh, angle, and the weird kind of mechanic she uses on her jump shot, I think, actually give her an advantage where she's able to get off these weird angles you you think when other players are only drawing uh, a pair of free throws she's she's finishing for an and one or something here i think that gives you a lot of hope that at the next level she could be more than just uh, a driver a play finisher on this end especially given that because of her role at maryland the vast majority of three she's taken over the past couple of years have been above the break not quarter threes so it's entirely possible that once you use her more as a driver and less as a shooter, you can get her in better shot situations than she has now. I also feel like it's easier said than done to just say, okay, teams aren't going to guard her. But she's the type of player where if you give her space to build up steam, she's just going to take take it to you right at the rim. So Ab I think... Absolutely, yeah. There's 
I, I genuinely think, you know, she might not have the strength to bang it inside. She's not going to be posting anyone up at the next level, yeah. despite her size. But the way she's able to leverage it, like I said, and like like you said, yeah. the way she's able to leverage the athleticism is very, very impressive. So after the, after the break, myself and Em will break down the defensive portion of Miller's game and more. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team that your members you surround yourself with. That's why I have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs help you quickly attract quality candidates to your open jobs with targeted tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small business owners rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. I'm your host, Hunter Cruz. I'm joined by co-host M. Adler. Um, M. I'll send you to talk about her, to, to give me the scoop on her defense because I feel like we, we kind of differ a little bit here. Um, it's a lot of tools, but where do you think she is as a, as a defensive prospect currently, and where do you think her defense can go as a pro? The generous way I can refer to it is raw. You know, we have talked about her size, her length, her athleticism so far. Um, one thing I didn't touch on, and, and this will loop back into the defense, one thing I didn't touch on in terms of her offense is I think one of the reasons she is statistically a lot better of a finisher than uh, she might than, you know, she might look as a driver when you're just watching the film is because I think she's one of those players, like Luka Doncic on the men's side, who their first step isn't the greatest in the world, but their last step when they're finishing is really strong. It's really impressive to be able to pivot off it well. To me, the flip side of that, though, is you want to have a good first step on defense. Defense, it doesn't really matter what your last step is because you're responding to the offensive player. The first step, you got to have that aligned. And that's one of my biggest problems with her defensively. Again, the tools are there. She gets a lot of stocks. She gets a lot of stocks. And that's something that if she, you know, she can keep being active with her hands while avoiding fouls, which the fouls are going to be a problem at the next level, probably. Um, if she can keep doing that, then she can make up for what is, I think, pretty poor footwork at the point of attack. I think we'll see what happens at the WNBA level. Players who are 6'3 don't really play the three, but also players who are 6'3 usually don't have her profile as an outside-in player. If she's playing the three, I, again, have concerns about her ability to stick at the point of attack because her footwork, I think, is just she kind of gets stuck in the mud when she's defending at the perimeter and someone's trying to take her off the dribble. It it leaves me with some concerns about, you know, being able to play that position when she's not strong enough, I don't think either of us think, to play the four. So let's, like, think in a world where if she's drafted number two overall, what is the fit, the defensive fit with her in Minnesota? Uh, like, How do you see that working out specifically? I mean, it depends a little bit. You know, we knew we know that uh, to dip into the WNBA side, we know that Shell Reeve, Minnesota Lynx, Claire DeWillis, et cetera, wanted to be competing this coming season. They wanted to make a splash in the free agency. They were in and pretty close relative to the rest of the league. They were pretty close on getting Courtney Vanderslip, Brianna Stewart to sign with them. 
you know, they, they've got a lot of investment on the ownership side in the franchise and they they have good prospects going forward in terms of investment and facilities and all those sorts of things and how well that's set up for them. The issue is right now, because right now they don't have a lot on the roster. Like I said, they wanted to compete this year, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen uh, given how they're currently set up. They profile as a pretty solid lottery team. So it depends a little bit. Who do I think is going to be on the team going forward? It wouldn't surprise me if like Rachel Bannum, Bridget Carlton, uh, Nafis, obviously Nafis Collier are the big people that they're retaining two years from now, you know, when they're going to be competitive. How does Daniela profile next to Nafisa Collier? I think depends on how they want to play those lineups. You could, in theory, try something with Fee at the five and Miller at the four, but you probably want Miller at the three, Fee at the four, and someone, maybe Cameron Brink, depending on how next year's lottery shakes up at the five. I mean, if you tell me right now that, that I get to see Miller, Fee, and Brink at the five, or Miller, Fee, and Brink in the lineup together, then I think that's really exciting because you have the back line ability to make up for Miller costing you at the point of attack. Um, because Miller is very active. She has a really high motor. She can she can and will rotate to make up for her mistakes at the point of attack. But I, I think regardless, it's limiting her, it, it is limiting her upside there. It's not a bad fit, to be clear. Because I remember whenever I was I was speaking to Diamond before the season, one thing she mentioned when I was talking about her defensive role is how the number one thing the coaching staff is telling her is just to stay engaged. And sometimes that wavers. Sometimes that's not a consistent thing for her. But when it is, she's such an impactful, like as a roamer from the just just flying all over the court with her length, just making letting her cause chaos. Yeah, but, she's really good. Like definitely, like easily one of her biggest strengths is the ability to from the weak side come over and help. I, I I'm not sure I would necessarily call it entirely secondary rim protection just because I don't think it's to that level, but she's very active in, like you said, coming over and helping um, off of non-shooters or off of pure cutters when teammates get beat. It, it, it's just, it's, it's sort of a weird fit because whenever you think of uh, like, ideally uh, she's defending like, Oh, like who is she defending at the WB level? Like specifically, is she defending someone like Ryan Howard? Is that more out of her realm to defend on the perimeter? Someone like that. It, it's, it's a little bit iffy. Yet I'm trying. I'm not really sure who she's defending. Like what? What exactly is going to be her role? I think it depends on if specifically if Min- how Minnesota p- tends to use her, or if it's at number three um, with how. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it varies so much based. I mean, we see that teams vary so much right now. Who they're playing at the three and the four. You have some teams like Connecticut who are going to be who are going to be playing Dewana Bonner at the three and Lissa Thomas at the four. You can call their lineups what you want, but that's effectively what it looks like they're going to be doing. And in that case, then I would have no problems with Miller guarding Bonner. She's going to be, Bonner would probably like post uh, Miller all the way to the cup, but you don't have to worry about that because there's so little spacing that AT and Bree Jones are providing you that you can help Miller on that end. And Bonner's not getting by here at the point of attack. She doesn't have that first. When we look at a team like, you know, Seattle is in, I think, probably a one or two year, like, like hyper rebuild. But, you know, if they get their internationals back, you know, Gabby Williams at the three, she's going to be blowing by Dunno at the point of attack because of how quick she is and how, and how hard she gets downhill on those rampages. When you talk about Atlanta, like Ryan Howard, I think that's probably your, your, um, 
that's probably your like most optimal opponent for Miller. Howard's Howard's still a really good creator and very good point of attack, but uh, Atlanta runs some interesting lineups given Howard could play the three or the four, but they play her at the four. That's probably your best fit defensively, but then you're putting Fee at the five, and I don't know if that's you know what you want to be doing from this perspective. Yeah, it's, I, I still think whenever you are drafting specifically this high, you go best player available and you figure it out later. The, oh, fit, might, the fit might seem a little bit weird, but like like you said, right now Minnesota, Nafisa Collier's pretty much their only like main building block player right now. Where you look at like Seattle, like you said, they have Ezzy, Jewel Lloyd. There's just some teams where at this point you draft best player available no matter what. Um and that's a similar case with someone like Diamond Miller, who has all the tools in the world. Um, just takes investment. And I think if she's given an opportunity, we've seen it with some rookies where they don't get as much of an opportunity. Um, but I think Minnesota, if they put it in the right position, I think this could specifically be a good uh, lottery value pick. Maybe I know there's a little bit like, oh, she's not a hundred percent sure if she's going to enter this year. But I think that's like smoke. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's. Thing, especially with how stat next year is, she would not be a lottery pick next year. So, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think she's. I, I think she'd have a chance, but it's a little borderline. In terms of, you know, what you're saying about sticking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, especially given the fact that the team drafting at number two or whoever's going to get that number two pick, if for some reason Minnesota gets a trade package, they want to give it away for. And and just to be clear for listeners, we're pretty sure at this point that Diamond Miller is the number two. We're pretty sure. We're almost certain that Aaliyah Boston. We're basically certainly of Austin is going to be the number one pick. And we're pretty, pretty confident that the number two pick is going to be Diamond Miller, uh, pretty much regardless of who has that pick when we get to April. So she's going to get minutes. And the thing for me, just to touch on the, the, the point I was saying about her footwork, is there are times when the footwork's there, and I think she can pretty much defend anyone. She can also take anyone off the burst when it's there. I think the footwork has really cleaned up offensively this year. In terms of de- in terms of the defensive end, you know, I mentioned that bit before. I've talked to uh, a couple coaches and asked about, you know, what, what's the upside for someone with a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, someone who's very coordinated. They they get at the ball well with their defensive playmaking, but they have issues coordinating their footwork at the point of attack. And the answer is, they it, a coach can help clean that up and bring that player's level of defensive proficiency up a tier, but it limits it. You know, if someone's footwork is mediocre, then they can probably only get to being a good defender with flashes of great. If their footwork is good, then they can get great with flashes of excellent. But that's all she needs. That's all she needs. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think, you know, on both ends, there is this really high potential for being a super, super impactful, maybe third best player on a really good team. There's that upside. But I think, you know, it wouldn't really surprise me if a lot of, if some of these issues with the spacing, with the off-ball defense, or not off-ball defense, the off-ball defense is fine, if it's harder to put her in a space to succeed off-ball because of how she is defending players off the catch, it wouldn't surprise me if there are some struggles and she can't get to what we think her ceiling is. Like in the, the idealist way, she's like a two-way utility wing. You let her do pretty much anything on the court. Um I guess the downside could be that she's sort of limited on offense. Uh, the defense doesn't come as long as much as long, and she's like a bench, like a seventh, eighth, eighth person on the bench that's uh, more playing spot minutes. But I think 
like I said, you 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 look for that high end upside. There's not many players that I could c- certainly say that have that abilities, and a lot of it's physical, but also it's how she um, capitalizes on her physical um, gifts. And I think it's certainly number two pick. Um, I'm, I'm getting closer to that. I, I had Haley Jones at number two, but I'm thinking I'm starting to slowly move over there. That'll be what we'll, what we talk about next week. But thanks for making Los Angeles basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts.